message one minute. Amen. No, really. I preached this so many times in the Philippines, either long or short, whatever they told me to. And I wanted to share it with you. It's just one verse, one simple verse. And so if you'd open your Bibles to the book of John, chapter number 15. And then what I'll do is tell, tell the story. And I think you'll uh, appreciate it. The Lord used um, something that I didn't really, I guess, have a keen sense of. But uh, many of you know I'm a, a try to be a student of World War II history. That's something that, that just fascinates me. It always has. My grandfather uh, fought in World War II uh, for the uh, free polls. And, uh, but in particular, uh, the, the Far East Theater, Americans in the Far East, and uh, the Lord used it to connect with the Filipino people. Uh, I'm telling you, it was just, and so I want to just share with you tonight, uh, you can remain seated, but John chapter 15, verse 13, we know it, let's read it in unison together. John chapter 15, verse 13, greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. On December 7, 1941, Pearl Harbor was bombed by the Japanese. We know that here. That's the day that will live in infamy. Amen. But just a day later, actually the same day, December 8, the Japanese bombed Manila and Luzon. And two days later, the 14th Japanese Infantry marched to Luzon and headed toward Manila. And General MacArthur declared Manila an open city. And what that meant was it would not be defended. Uh, the Americans' weaponry was woefully inadequate. It was World War I stuff. Four out of every five grenades was a dud. Imagine that. Their shells, they're, they're, they just could not compete with the army that Japan was. And so they began to retreat into Luzon and to retreat more, and they would fight and retreat and retreat. And finally, they came back in uh, January of 1942. They came to a place called Bataan. And they said, we have to make our stand here. But one of the things that happened was the Japanese initial attack was so uh, well-placed and strategic, they had to get out fast. They did not take enough medicine with them, quinine in particular, that dealt with malaria, that dealt with dysentery and beriberi. So, but they had to fight, and for three months they fought the Japanese tooth and nail to the death there on Bataan. General MacArthur was ordered by Roosevelt to get away. It would be inconscionable if such an American hero as Douglas MacArthur was captured. And so, against his wishes, he got on a PT boat and headed for Australia. When he got to Australia, they interviewed him. And he made a very famous, it was a very offhand quote, but it became famous. And he said, they said of his trip to the Philippines, he said, I have come through and I shall return. And the American papers got that, Brother Abe. MacArthur shall return to the Philippines. Well, 
the fate of the men there on Bataan was pretty much sealed, though. They raised the white flag of surrender on April 9, 1942. And on April 10, 1942, the Japanese sent them on what we know of today as the Bataan Death March. The Bataan Death March is one of the most brutal acts of humanity upon fellow man in the history of mankind. You can read about it. I have a book in my office by Donald Knox called The Death March. Seven days and eight nights, no stopping, no food, no water. If a man fell, he was bayoneted. Sometimes men were beheaded for fun. 72,000 Americans and Filipino guerrillas started the death march. Eight days later, 52,000 were alive. 20,000 men died on the death march. They reached what was called Camp O'Donnell. It was not a camp, unless you're talking about a death camp. And the Japanese were only equipped to house and feed up to 25,000, which is a problem when 52,000 show up. But it wasn't a problem for the Japanese. They just let them rot. They took the strong ones and sent them to labor camps in Japan and throughout the Philippines. And many stayed at Camp O'Donnell. But then uh, they moved some to a place called Camp Cabanatuan. And over the next 33 months, 2,600 Americans died at Camp Cabanatuan of beatings, of starvation, of sickness, disease, malnutrition. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a miracle that one man survived in that camp. No medicine. So many sick men, death all around them. Well, in January of 1945, Douglas MacArthur did return. Famous landing at Lingayen Gulf. And, uh, you know, I I've read a little bit about MacArthur. He was a man for showmanship. He had 28 uniforms and changed three times a day. <laughs> he, he, he thought image was important. And... Uh, when he landed on that gulf, he, the, the PT boat got stuck in about three, four feet of water. He said, I don't care. He got out. And they took a great picture of him wading through the water ashore. He said, I've, I've come back. And he brought the American military machine, and they began to push the Japanese back. Some prisoners that had escaped from a camp in Davao on Mindanao, word had got out what the Japanese were doing to the Americans in some cases, they would have them dig air raid shelters and then herd them into the air raid shelters, pour gasoline on them, and light them on fire. They didn't want any word of their atrocities to get out, and the only way to do that was to kill all the Americans. And so the Americans and the Filipinos realized that those skeletons at Cabana Tuan could be executed at any moment. And so the 250 of the Filipino guerrillas led by Captain Juan Bahoda and the 6th Rangers 
led by Lieutenant Colonel Henry Musi, hatched a plan, a raid, to drive 30 miles behind Japanese lines in the midst of 10,000 troops, just 250 Filipino guerrillas and 135 or so American Rangers and some Alamo Scouts to get those men out. There was 511 men left, 511 from 72,000. Well, the plan worked. They, the Filipinos held the Japanese off on the flank, and the Americans assaulted the camp, killing 250 Japanese soldiers, and every one of those prisoners were rescued. Every one of them. The Filipinos had the idea of using caribou carts, putting all the prisoners in caribou carts, moving, moving them over to the next town. It's an incredible story. It's a story that so exemplifies the gospel. You know, every one of those men were sick. After 33 months in Japanese captivity, they were all sick. Many of them could not walk. They could not, could not move. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, every one of us is sick with something called sin. In sin, my mother did conceive me, the Bible says in Psalm 51.5. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Like those prisoners, each one of us at one point was helpless. Those men, several men tried to escape, but they didn't get far. What, what, what could they do? They couldn't walk. They had no food. Every, listen, ladies and gentlemen, all our filthiness is as, or all, all our righteousness is as filthy rags. We can't get ourselves to heaven. Not of works, lest any man should boast. There's no way that we could help ourselves to heaven. We're helpless. But you know what else those men were? They were condemned. At any moment, the Japanese could have killed them. You know, the Bible says this, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. But you know, they were, they were sick, they were helpless, they were condemned but they were loved, weren't they? You know, America may have, may have forgotten about the Philippines, and President Roosevelt had to make a very difficult choice whether to concentrate on Europe or the Far East. It was a hard choice. But ladies and gentlemen, we didn't have a Navy. It was at the bottom of Pearl Harbor. There no no way to fight the Japanese. We had to focus on Europe. But I'll tell you who loved those men the soldiers, those rangers, those Filipino guerrillas. They love those men. You know what? The Bible says this, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Only two Americans were killed in that raid. Only two. No Filipinos. One was Corporal Roy Sweezy, who was shot in the chest by a Japanese sniper. The other was Captain Jimmy Fisher, Dr. 
Jimmy Fisher, who was along to try to help some of those prisoners because he knew how sick they were. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ loved us so much <laughs> that he was willing to give his life for us. Every one of those rangers and every one of those Filipino guerrillas was willing to give their life to get those prisoners out. The greatest rescue is not Camp Cabanatuan. It's a great rescue. The greatest rescue is when Jesus Christ came and rescued us from our sin. And the last point is this. They were sick. They were helpless. They were condemned. They were loved. Brother Horse, they were all free. They were free. John 8.36 says, If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Romans 8.2 says, Christ Jesus hath freed us from the law. Aren't you glad you're free tonight? You're free from sin's power. You're free from sin's penalty. Amen? All because of the greatest rescue of them all. I preached this repeatedly when I was in the Philippines. And because it involved Filipinos, we, I connected with the Filipino people. God used it in a very special way, and many people were saved. And I thank the Lord. I just want to share that with you tonight. We're going to be observing communion. I'd like to ask the deacons to come uh, right now, if you would.